Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. You may not always like his opinion, but you can bet he'll have one. Welcome to the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. We have uh, quite a day planned for you on uh, the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Good to have you with us. And uh, coming up later is David Milgard, who spent 23 years of his life, many of you will remember the story, spent 23 years of his life in prison, including maximum security institutions, when he was convicted of the rape and murder of um, a young nurse in Saskatoon. David Milgard was completely innocent of the charge, and should never have gone to um, prison for a day, 23 years. And it was his mother who pressed Canada and pressed Canadians constantly and, uh, and, and told the country that her son was innocent. But people didn't listen. And uh, she eventually, Joyce Milgard, and I had an opportunity to speak with Joyce many times in the year or so before David was released. But Joyce Milgard confronted the Prime Minister of Canada in, uh, I think it was 91, late 90, early 1991. And that would have been Brian Mulroney. And she confronted him very publicly before the national media. And so the media got interested and the story of David Milgard started to make its way across Canada. And it soon became obvious that something was seriously wrong. And uh, eventually they had to let him out. And the Supreme Court of Canada took the case, and then they kind of, they sort of washed, they sort of washed their hands of it. We'll talk to David about that later. And they sent it back to uh, Saskatchewan courts. But then DNA proved that he was innocent. And the thing that I'll never, ever, ever forget is that the criminal justice system of this country offered David the opportunity, the option, to leave prison years before he was able to, if only he would plead guilty, if only he would agree that he committed the rape and the murder. And each time they made the offer, David Milgard said, no, I will not do that because I'm innocent. 
I wonder how many people would have had the strength after that long a period of time being incarcerated in some of the toughest prisons in this country would have had the strength of character and will to say no, no. I'm not going to plead guilty because I did not do it. So I've, I've talked to David uh, quite a, well, two or three times over the last couple of days, and uh, he'll join us a little bit later. And it was um, it was a column that was taken from a from a piece that David wrote for Canada 150 for the 150th anniversary book for Canada that um, made the news quite a few newspapers across Canada about two weeks ago. It was that column that got me th- thinking about. Um, talking to David, and, and I thank Wynne Warrer at uh, the Innocent Pro- Innocence Project for establishing the contact with David Milgard. Uh, we're also going to be speaking with Michelle Rempel, the conservative immigration critic who had quite a, an exchange yesterday with the liberal immigration minister uh, over the question of whether or not female genital mutilation, whether that was going to be taken out of the citizenship guide. And the minister hasn't said that it will and hasn't said that it won't. So Michelle Rempel is going to be with us. And Abderrahim Fukara, who's the Washington bureau chief of Al Jazeera, will address the issue of the American embassy in Israel being moved eventually to Jerusalem, and that's causing Quite a lot of friction in the Middle East, as you, I'm sure, have heard. That is just some of what we have coming up. We also have a uh, 20-year practicing lawyer in the U.S. Department of Justice in civil rights and health civil rights. She's going to be speaking with us about opioids. And um, what makes this really fascinating is that this particular 20-year civil rights lawyer, Kate Nicholson, was also a chronic pain patient who refused opioids for quite a few years and then eventually had to say, yes, I'll try them because the pain became utterly destructive. So we'll talk to Kate Nicholson later on. That's all coming up. But I'm going to start with this. On Wednesday, Time magazine made us aware of the person of the year. And... uh, it's, the, it's the, the Me Too campaign, or the silence breakers. It's the women and some men who broke through the unspoken sexual harassment assault fact of workplace and other interaction with powerful men. And uh, last night again at a public rally, U.S. President Donald Trump endorsed Alabama GOP Senate candidate and Judge Roy Moore for Tuesday's Senate election. Judge Moore has been accused of sexual harassment and sexual assault although he says he's innocent of all of the accusations. But I thought we would talk about that a bit this hour. And, uh, you know, we've spoken many times with Gloria Allred about this, the uh, internationally famous lawyer. Not everyone is in agreement that the Me Too movement should have been declared Time Magazine's Person of the Year. Some argue that men are being exploited by women who make use of their sexuality as an assist to succeed in business and in life. And on a daily basis, and no one takes note. But mostly the Me Too initiative is supported. And I have something here that was written by the Washington Post. 
No American woman has won Time Magazine's Person of the Year by herself in more than eight decades. Over the course of that 91 years, the magazine has preferred the title, or proffered the title. In fact, only um, one has done so, William Wallace Simpson, who earned the title in 1936 thanks to her relationship with King Edward the Eighth, a relationship which eventually led to his giving up the throne. On Wednesday, the magazine announced its 2017 winner, as you've probably heard, the Silence Breakers, a reference to the women and a few men who spoke out about sexual harassment, precipitating a remarkable moment of public accountability for people, almost all men, in positions of power in the country. Power is at the heart of the issue, as we've seen while watching the revelations unfold. NBC's Matt Lauer, movie producer Harvey Weinstein, and prominent elected officials all held positions of authority that were leveraged to silence those whom they'd allegedly abused. The New York Times' exhaustive assessment of how Weinstein kept his actions out of the public eye is in part an overview of the power he wielded. Economic power, corporate power, it's a journal of how to twist the dials and yank the levers of authority to facilitate shocking and apparently criminal behavior. So now Donald Trump, President of the United States, is hauled back into the picture because there are women who accuse Trump of sexual harassment and sexual assault. And the most frequently talked about issue is still the one about the president and what he said in the company of Billy Bush and the Access Hollywood tapes. When we come back, we're going to play just about two minutes of that. Then we'll open the phone lines. Please stay with us. <laughs> 